But today I want to talk to you about a subject that is very, very personal to me. It's been a journey that I've been on uh, since becoming a believer. And then, and then a few years ago, God began giving me a burden for the local church about the subject of just spending time with him. What, it, what does it mean to spend time with him privately and corporately? And how the two uh, help and uh, help each other uh, in this Christian walk. And so I've entitled this message for a reason called Walk Through the Bible. And the reason that I've titled this message, uh, Walk Through the Bible, is, is because of this. is because walking indicates a relationship, and that's really what Christianity is. It indicates a relationship. Karen and I, we walk a lot together. We walk, we walk in the evenings. We walk on the weekends. Um, sometimes we go up into the mountains. We snowshoe together. Uh, we've hiked together. And this issue of walking is really important to me because it's amazing what happens when you pull away from social media and text messaging and emails and all those other things, and you're just with somebody. And some of the deepest conversations that Karen and I have had is when it's been just the two of us and we've been just walking together. Because when you begin look at this issue of Christianity, listen, Christianity is more than just introducing people to forgiveness. And I believe in forgiveness, right? And I believe in making sure all of your sins are forgiven. But Christianity is more than just introducing people to forgiveness. What Christianity really is, is introducing people to the one who forgives. See, Christianity is, is just communion with a, with a living God. Our, the Christian faith is the only teaching that calls people, calls you to have communion with God. All other world religions would not think about talking or teaching about this issue of communion with a living God. Fact is, for them, that would be, that'd be heresy or that'd be blasphemy. And so God calls me and God calls you uh, to break the bread and to drink of the cup and that we do that in remembrance of him, which we'll do together at the close. And we do that in remembrance of him because Christ in you is the hope of glory. And so my burden is this, is that the scripture tells us is that the indwelling presence that came and tabernacled with the world offers to tabernacle with you. And you and I can be the tabernacle of like the living God. And so a burden that I have is most believers, when you just look at statistics, most believers come to a Christian event and they spectate rather than participate in a, a Christian walk or a Christian journey. And so God says the hope of uh, uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory, that I place my Holy Spirit in you. And so I have this burden for the local church and that is this, and we started on this journey many years back around this thought is what would church be like? What would a corporate worship service be like? What would our culture be like if everybody in our church opened up the Bible, spent time with him daily, and actually heard from him? What would it be like if people spent time with him in private and corporate worship? What would it be like if people came to a worship service with an expectation of what God is doing is going to do in their life because of the time that they spent with him daily. See, I don't know about you, but I, I want this intimacy. I've been around some people that are, are, are elderly or more mature than others uh, in their 70s, their 80s, and their 90s. And some of these people that I've, I've met still have this, just, just this joy 
and they have deep love of God, a deep love of their church, a deep love of their spouse, and deep love of the community, and they have this, this joy. And when I began having conversations with them and asking them about their life and where that joy comes from, all of them come back and say, you know what? It came out of his word. And they begin talking about different seasons of their life when God just gave them a word or when God spoke into their life. And I don't know about you, but I want that. You see, I came to Christ in, in, in my 20s. And when I, when I came to Christ, it was a, for me, it was just this radical transformation, really for all of us, it is a radical transformation. And I came to Christ in my 20s. And the only Bible I had was like a children's living Bible. And so as, as someone in their 20s going to church with a hardback children's Bible, that's just not cool. And so, uh, so I decided, you know what, I need to go out and buy a Bible. So I went out and bought the Bible, the same translation that, that, that my pastor at that time was preaching by. And so I, I bought me a Bible. I go to church in Sunday school. I ask the, the Sunday school teacher a question. I says, can you help me how to personally read the Bible for myself? Can you do that? And he goes, absolutely. Now, listen, uh, he gave me, he, I, well, I actually bought it, but he recommended something that nobody's heard of. It was popular in the 80s, especially where I come from, Texas. And so he says, you know, you need to go out and buy the 2959 plan. Anybody hear that? Not a person. So I'm batting a thousand. So anyway, so have you heard about it? No. Okay. So let's, so it's popular in my time. So, so, so I went out and bought one, and it comes with an audio cassette tape. Yeah. Yeah, some of you gun guys would go, oh, so that's what that thing looks like. I've heard of that. So it came with an audio cassette tape of how to communicate with God, how to hear from God. And then, I mean, it was just so complicated. So, so like, here's, here's the portion that you need to read before you, and study and memorize before, you can, before you're qualified to, like, spend time with God. And so once you get through this, and I know you can't see it, but it's small text, and it's, man, it's 60-something it's pages. And then, and then it has tabs, and then this is what you have to do daily. And so daily, it even has like a heart indicator where you can determine where your heart is, whether it's, well, let's see, whether it's complaining, grumbling, backbiting, ah, it's positive, uh, judging, backsliding. It does have some positive things, glorifying, honoring, thanking, praising, and that stuff. So, so here's a portion that you have to do daily, okay? And then here's the Monday tab. So you do this plus the Monday tab on Monday, and then you do this plus the, the, the Tuesday chat tab, then you do this plus the Wednesday tab, and I'm looking at all this stuff to fill in and all this stuff to remember, uh, to memorize and this stuff, and I looked at this thing, and you know what my question was? I thought spending time with God was supposed to reduce stress. This is like giving me stress. <laughs> and so sometimes we take this issue of spending time with God, I believe, and we make it way too difficult in life. Listen, I'm telling you, nothing has changed my life more other than meeting Christ, Right? And then coming into his word and being able to hear from him. Because, see, even when I was a new believer, I could read scripture in the Old Testament that would say people would actually meet with God and God would speak to them. And they would, like, prepare to meet with God and God would speak to them. Then I go to the New Testament. And then in John 14, 15, and 16, I start reading language and reading words like God will put his helper in us, the Holy Spirit in us, the comforter. And, oh, and, and he's going to teach us and lead us and guide us and bring remembrance to us of things that that he said. And, and I started on this journey of just reading scripture. Listen, I'm, I'm not talking about just flippantly praying to God and giving him your to-do list or your laundry list. 
I'm talking about meeting with a person. I'm talking about being able to hear from him to where you get a word into your life and into your soul that like changes your life. Man, so my question is, did you meet with God today? Did you meet with God last week? And if so, what did he tell you and what did he say to you? And how did it change your life? Because listen, this is a walk, this is a, this is a relationship. And so I have, a, I have a little bit of an outline that I use and and maybe this outline totally won't work for you, but my challenge to you today is, is maybe you would take this, and this would be a starting place, to find out what works for you and for your personality, and you start this time of actually meeting with God, who is a person who wants to have a relationship with you, who desires to speak some truth into your life. So the first word that I use, and these are just single words, they're just so easy, the first thing that I use is prepare. In other words, before you meet with God, you've you got to prepare. I mean, before you meet with a friend, right? Before you meet with a friend, there's some things that you've got to do before you meet with a friend. I mean, you've you got to set a time. You've got to set a place. Um, if you're going to meet at a restaurant, you're going to meet at the golf course, you're going you're to go fish or, or whatever, there's, there's some things that you've got to do. So, so you've got to make a phone call or send a text message, and you've got to set a time, and you've got to set a place, and you've got to set all of those things. And then it's something that you have to prepare. And the same with God. The same with here. There's something that we do. We, we prepare. In fact, is Joshua 3, 5 says this. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. That's your personal time with God. I mean, you're going to see personal and corporate all the way through this. That that's, that's something you do by yourself. That's something you do personally. And so Joshua, Joshua 3, 5 says, consecrate yourself. In other words, meet with God personally. Prepare yourselves. Get ready. And then he says, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. In other words, we we got to prepare ourselves. Listen, sometimes I think we just make this, we, it just causes too much stress or we make this much too difficult. See, when I met Christ in, in the spiritual background that I have, people would tell me when I was talking about how do you meet with God, when do you meet with God? A lot of times they'd tell you, oh, it needs to be like the first thing that you do. I mean, it means, needs to be like before the sun comes up or five in the morning. I mean, they cite that one scripture that, you know, Jesus, while it was still dark, got up and went off to a lonely place and prayed. And so you got to do it like at, like at 5 a.m. Can I just tell you this? Nowhere in the Bible does it give you a time. Now listen, I'm not a morning person. I know some of you are morning people. God bless you. <laughs> and that's great if you're alert at 5 a.m., but leave the rest of us alone. I don't even know if I'm alert at 9 a.m. I really don't. So find, listen, find a time that works for you. And there's some people who tell you, you know what, it needs to be at least an hour. I mean, that's, that's what we would get at our time. The fact is, the church I was at prior to here, our pastor felt called he, he, uh, to help the church pray and spend time with God. So he launched this program called Watchmen on the Wall. Now, Watchmen on the Wall, that phrase comes out of the Old Testament, how uh, on the city walls they would, they would, they would put watchmen on the wall at each, each gate. So there's four at any one time, the north gate, south gate, east gate, west gate. So what he decided is that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, people would take an hour shift and pray for people, pray for the church and themselves for an hour. And so uh, he challenged us. I still remember multiple services. I was in the, like the light, light, last service. I go to the desk, and the last time that was like left was Tuesday at 3 a.m. And, you know, once you're at the desk, you can't bail in front of them. Say, no, I'm not praying at 3 a.m. So I said, fine, I'll do it. So I signed up because I, I still I, I want to understand how, just how to hear from him. 
And so I, I did that. And so the 2 a.m. person would, would, would pray for an hour at 3 a.m. They would call me, so I'd have, to, I'd have to prepare. I'd get up out of bed. I'd get in the recliner. I'd get a cordless phone in those days because we were high tech. We were on the front edge of technology, and we had a cordless phone. And I'd get ready, and I'd get the phone call. And then the 2 a.m. person would call me at 3, say, you're up. I was, I was supposed to pray from 3 to 4. At 4, I'd call the, the 4 a.m. person. And, and so it went. 24 hours a day is a little bit of accountability. Now, listen, it's supposed to go on for an hour. I still remember. I would read some scripture, and I'd pray everything I knew to pray. And then I'd look up at the clock, and I'd go, I got 47 minutes left. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then you know what I'd do? I'd say, I'll do it again. I'll run through my list again. And then I'd pray and pray and pray and pray everything I thought I knew to pray. And I'd look up and now I got, I got 38 minutes left. I got 38 minutes left to be a good Christian. I mean, now listen, can you imagine what it'd be like with a relationship with a friend? You go to lunch with a friend and you look at them and say, oh no, I got to talk to you for another 38 minutes. Then I get to go. I get to leave. I mean, what kind of a relationship is this? I'm telling you. This is, this is supposed to be a relationship. We're supposed to commune with Him. There's not a set time in Scripture. There's not a set length in Scripture. On my Sabbath, my day off, for me, is an extended time of life journaling. I'm as busy as you are. And I've met people. That talk like, you know what, my quiet time, three hours. Well, that's anybody that, you know, that's someone that doesn't have a job and doesn't have kids. Right? If you have that kind of time. So nowhere in Scripture does it give us a set time. And, but it does say, watch this, we have to pre- prepare. Uh, Psalms 131.1. He says, O oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Verse 2, so important. But... I have, talk about private worship, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a winged child with his mother. In other words, there was something that he had to do. He had to calm and quiet his soul as part of preparing. See, I, I don't know if your mind's like me, but I have to work hard to quiet my mind of all distractions. And the only way that I've learned to do it is either have, have some post-it notes next to me or my app on my phone with a to-do list and when your mind starts going hey 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 there's that email there's that meeting today then I just quickly put it on my to-do list until I'm done with my distractions and and then I for me I I pray just a very short prayer and I pray the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit's role to illuminate to teach to guide to be to bring remembrance to us. In fact, is John 14, 16. Here's what he says. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor, know, nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells within you, and he will be with you. You jump down to verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will bring to you remembrance. When that scripture comes to you, that's him that I have said. And so I, 
I, I began just a short little prayer and said, Lord, I, Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm just asking, would you, would you illuminate for me the verse that I need, the word that I need? Would you teach me some things? Would you bring remembrance to me something? And then I, I use private worship. Uh, there's private worship and there's corporate worship, and there is a difference. And I use, I use private worship. And so, so I, I use iTunes. Uh, sometimes I create my own playlist. Sometimes I, I know the worship set that's coming uh, this next weekend. And so there's sometimes I will create a playlist within iTunes. Sometimes I use Pandora. Sometimes I use YouTube. And I'll use Elevation Worship or Hillsong Worship or Gateway Worship and I'll, some songs that are ministering to me. And I'll, I'll pick a song. I'll pick a couple of songs. And, and, um, and I, I have private worship because I've just learned that, that we come into his presence, what Scripture says, with thanksgiving and praise. And I want to come into his presence and I want to quiet my mind and I want to quiet my soul. And so I, I just need to, to let you know that, that I sing out loud in corporate worship. But I don't always sing out loud in private worship. Uh, depending on my location, depending on where I am, because, because my voice to me personally is just a distraction. Now listen, let me tell you something. Scripture says this, that... that Man looks at the outward, but God looks at the heart. And God not only looks at the heart, but he sees the heart and he hears the heart. And in corporate worship, you, you, have, the, you have a voice like mine. I mean, you can ask Pastor Chad. One time they left, accidentally I left my mic on, and I, I got the whole worship team off up here. <laughs> my, voice, my voice is just distracting. And it's distracting uh, in private worship, but in corporate worship, as long as there's not a mic in my hand, I sing loud. And I work. See, Jesus, Jesus, Mark says that he pulled away in private worship and prayed. Hebrews says, but he stood in the midst of the con congregation and he worshiped. Your private worship is preparation for corporate worship. And so I don't, if I'm by myself in the car, I'll sing out loud. Uh, one time when our offices were really, really tight, uh, I was worshiping and I started singing and there was a knock on my door and someone says, are you okay? <laughs> Just practicing wailing. <laughs> and so in private worship, I'm just telling you, in private worship, I sing in my heart because you know one thing I've learned when I sing in my heart in private worship it's not a distraction and I sound an awful lot like Pastor Chad <laughs> I mean, my voice is awesome and so and so I, I just worship with him and you enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise and so I ask the Holy Spirit just illuminate to me for his word so the first thing you do is prepare and you can do that quickly the second word is just renew Romans 12 2 says this it says do not be conformed to this world but by the transforming, by the renewal. In, our, in other words, you prepare and then you renew. And you renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God through his word. What is good and acceptable and perfect. And the Bible says that the way that we renew our mind is through his word. And so for us, what we use, we use life journaling here. Life journaling is just a simple reading plan. 
It takes 15 to 20 minutes. You read a, daily. You read a little bit of the Old Testament. You read a little bit of the New Testament. Uh, within, a, any, within a year, you'll, you'll read through the entire Bible, Old Testament, and New Testament. Really and truly, there's nothing magic about life journaling. You know what life journaling is? It's signposts or it's markers. When Karen and I snowshoe or when we hike in the mountains, there's, there's markers along the trail, so you know you're still on the trail. And you don't have to worry about what, where do you go next and what is the next direction. Because, listen, if you just leave it up to you to read Scripture and pick Scripture on your own, you're only going to normally pick the Scriptures you like. Life journaling forces you to walk through the entire Bible, the whole counsel of the Word of God in a year. And so life journaling is just a systematic reading plan, Old Testament and New Testament, that, that helps us understand. And it, listen, this is a relationship. Don't get frustrated with what you don't understand. Understanding comes with time, right? True in relationships, right? As you grow together in relationships, understanding of each other comes with time and the same with Scripture. So don't get hung up with the stuff that you don't understand. But ask God for a verse. Ask God for a word. See, see, Mark Twain said this. Mark Twain says, the parts of the Bible that I don't understand, that doesn't worry me. It's the part of the Bible that I do understand that worries me. Am I putting that in place in my life? And so you ask God for a, a word. And so life journaling is different than a devotional. It's different than reading from Chuck Swindoll or Charles Stanley or Beth Moore. Listen, let me just tell you something. Chuck Swindoll, and as great as those people are, Chuck Swindoll, Beth Moore, Oswald Chambers, uh, any, uh, Charles Stanley, any of those guys and ladies, as great as they are, they cannot hear from God for you. They may be able to hear from God with you, but they cannot hear from God for you. I cannot hear from God for you. There is something about getting a word from Him and knowing that is my word, that is from God. Listen, the Bible is a supernatural book, and God is personal and He speaks to you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Many times, that's why if we're honest, many times that's why we don't like reading the Bible. Because sometimes it helps us understand our heart, it helps us understand our intentions. So, so we, we read and we ask God, give me that verse, just give me that verse. And we take that verse and we write that verse down. See, life journaling is different than a journal. Uh, is, I'm sorry, it's differently, different than a diary. A diary is where you record your emotions and, and your daily activities. And so not life, life journaling is this. It's recording what God has said to you and what you're going to do about it. And you write that verse down. A couple of instances in, in, in my life. So it's it, uh, here a while back, and many of you know that my oldest daughter, Brittany, and her husband, Corey, are walking through... Uh, foster to adopt and uh, you know it's been going on for quite some time still have a, a journey through that process and, and on, on one of the difficult days in life journaling I, I get a verse and so Karen's a morning person I'm not and so I get a verse I text that verse to Brittany and said Brittany this is our verse I'm going to pray this verse until adoption is complete I'll pray this verse every day God's given this to me for us I'm praying it and she texts back and she's dad you're not going to believe it she was hours earlier, mom texted me that same verse. That same verse. That just that same verse. Listen, God wants to speak to you as the same way he wants to speak to me. 
few days ago in Life Journal, and we're going through Abraham and, and Sarah's life, and, and God told Abraham and Sarah, this is what I want to do for you, that you'll have a child. I'm going to answer that prayer request. I'm going to take care of that. You're going to have a child. And Sarah laughed. Abraham still even struggled with the whole concept. And then God asked a thought-provoking question when God said, Is anything too hard for me? That was my verse. That was my verse. And so I, I write that verse down. And then observation. See, a lot of us, we want to go to application way too early, but you, you, observation. And so I, observation is where you just begin looking at the context and who he's talking to and what he's saying and all of those other things. And for me, I took that verse, Is anything too hard for me? And I'm thinking, you know, Abra and I write, Abraham and Sarah. God told them what he wanted to do with their life. And, and they said, you know what? Uh, that's not possible. That just seems like that's too hard for you. And God asked them a thought-provoking question. Is anything too hard for me? And he brought Abraham and Sarah to the point to where they had to decide whether they could trust him or they were going to trust themselves. To where they had to decide whether they were going to trust him above everything else. And I just journaled about that in application. Application is when it gets personal. When you begin saying, how does this relate to me? How is this relevant, uh, relevant to me? How do I apply this to me, to my life? What is, what is he telling me to do? And, and so my application was, in, in, along that verse, just to give you a guideline, my application was that, you know what, there, there's some things in my life, if I'm honest, whether it's personal or whether it's corporate, you know what? Do I have the attitude that that's too hard for God? And God, for me this day, regardless of what I'm facing, nothing's too hard for you. And I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to ignore the facts. But, Lord, I'm going to understand that nothing, nothing is too hard for you. Now, I'm just going to trust you, and I'm just going to walk with you. Now, listen, I don't always get these earth-moving days like that. I mean, some days it's just walking through life. It's a relationship. But then there are those other days. You know, I, and, and my writing is kind of disjointed and bullet points and diagrams and everything else. I served with a pastor that was just a great, he was just a great platform speaker. He'd written a bunch of books and radio ministry, TV ministry. Uh, he had a large ministry. And you know what? And there were times in staff meetings, he said, hey guys, let me read, you know, let me read uh, some things for you. And my journal just sounds so different. Sometimes it's just, Lord, just help me, just, just help me to trust you. You know what, sometimes, uh, I'll just tell you one quick one, we'll move on, because distraction, just thought of it. <laughs> I know you shouldn't always say things that aren't in your notes, but here's what I'm thinking. A few days ago on, on forgiveness, a few days ago, I actually did. I put it in my journal. Some of you made my journal. And I said, you know, Lord, please forgive all the Bronco fans who are gloating and prideful that they're in the playoffs and the Cowboys aren't. It's just a relationship. It's a relationship. It's a friendship. Okay, so we better move on. So the next thing is pray, okay? <laughs> and pray for the Bengals. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, we just move on. I'm talking about spending time with a person. It's a relationship to where at the end you just come to that place where you say, God, with what I've read today and the verse that you've given me, how am I going to be different today? 
How am I? Listen, this isn't about making your spouse a better person, making your kids better, making your boss better, making your city. Listen, you can't, you don't have any control over that. All you have is control over you. This is about you. This is about you. And listen, we know this, right? The longer we spend time with someone, the more we become like them, or more, more, the, the more we mimic them. Right? Like we understand this in child parenting, right? I mean, this last week, uh, Brittany was at a, out of, I'm sorry, Corey, my son-in-law, was at a conference. He's out of town. Brittany, we have three grandkids, and so Brittany had to attend a, a, an online conference, a conference, and so Karen and I had grandkid duty. And so we drove up Thursday night, spent time with the grandkids, got up early. You know, of course, because kids, oh, my gosh, they get up so early. And so, so I forgot what it was like. And so they get up. And so at breakfast, they're, like, asking me for they want burger and fries. And, you know, and of course, I'm like, you're on. We're doing it. And so we're going to get burger and fries. And so lunch came, loaded the grandkids up, you know, in the car seats. And so we go to Wendy's. And, and so I'm in the drive-thru because there's no way we're going to sit in the restaurant because I don't know if we're equipped for that yet. And so we're just going to get the burger and fries and Coke, and we're going to head back home. And, and so I'm in the to-go line, and so it's our turn, and I'm ordering. Gavin, the three-year-old, Gavin and Micah are on the very back row, third row. They're the very back row. Gavin's three, Micah's two. And so Gavin starts screaming while I'm trying to order. He's screaming, I won't! A cheeseburger, french fries, ketchup, chicken nuggets. I want a burger, french fries, ketchup, chicken. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I'm just, I'm just trying to order. I want a burger, fries, and I'm like, chicken nuggets. I want, it's just relentless. And I'm like, oh, just, you know, because I'm ADD, and I'm like, just help me. And so, man, it's so hard. And so I order, and so we're going through the line. Gavin unbuckles, begins making his way over seats, and now he's saying, I know you can hear me. I know you can hear me up there, Pop Pop. I know you can hear me. And I'm like, Gavin, get back in your seat and buckle up and, you know, you know, whatever. And so we get home. We have burgers and fries and ketchup and chicken nuggets. And so that night, we're sitting around the table with Brittany and all the grandkids and Karen. We're having dinner. Micah, the two-year-old, gets down and starts food in his mouth and food in his hands. He's heading to the living room. He decides he's going to play. Well, he's not finished. So Brittany goes, Micah, get, uh, oh, I, let me back up. <laughs> Said this way too many times. So let me back up. Before this, before Micah did that, well, I told Brittany about Gavin and what he said, that I know you could hear me. I know you could hear me. And Brittany's like, yeah, Dad, I don't know. We don't know where he's got that from. He started that about a week ago. We're so embarrassed. You know, I don't know. We just, we need to get that out of him. And you're right. But we don't know where he got that from. So then Micah gets done with his meal, food in his mouth, food in his hand, headed into the living room. And so Brittany goes, Micah, get back up the table. Finish your meal. You're not done. I didn't dismiss you. Get back at the table. And Micah just keeps headed for his toys. And then Brittany goes, Micah, I know you can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> we all looked at Brittany. Brittany turned so red. But you know what? Kids begin to mimic mom and dad. Why? Because they spend time with them. Listen, you will never mimic God in his word unless you spend time with him. This isn't enough. This is not enough. And when you begin to spend time with him daily and take his word, because listen, I'm telling you, God wants to speak a word into your life. God has a word for you. And nobody else could hear 
from God for you. And there's something about when you get that word from God and you know it's just for you. And the same as parents want to spend time with their children, God wants to spend time with you, his children. And what if we just as a church, what if we just made a commitment? So you know what? We're going to get serious about this Christian journey. And we're going to spend time with him daily in his word. And we're going to learn to life journal and get a word. And then when we come together in corporate worship, we've been stewarding the presence of God through our daily life. And then we're going to come together and we're going to worship him corporately. Because I don't know about you, but I know this about me. When I worship with you, you pull something out of me. When we worship together. And I just wonder, I just wonder, what does God want to say to you today? What does he want to say to you tomorrow? What does he want to tell you about your marriage? What does he want to tell you about your dating life? What does he want to tell you about your career? And are you meeting with him? Our ushers and our servers are going to prepare the elements as we get ready to take a communion together as a church family. And the scripture, the scripture tells us this. The scripture tells us that we, we break of the bread and we drink of the cup and we do this in remembrance of him. We do this because we remember. It's a relationship. Christianity is the only world religion, only one, that teaches that you can have a relationship with a holy and a righteous God, that you can commune with Him, that you can come into His presence. And just like spending time with Him privately, coming to a corporate worship service, we prepare ourselves. As our ushers begin passing the plate, there's two cups on top of the other, the bread and the juice. You'll just take both cups off the plate, out of the plate, pass the plate to the person next to you. And then we'll hold the elements together and we'll take together as a church family in just a few minutes. We don't practice closed communion here at Fellowship the Rockies. Closed communion is, pra is, is simply this, that you have to be a member to take up communion. We practice what is called open communion because we believe that's what the Bible teaches that as long as you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, regardless whether you're a member here at Fellowship of the Rockies or not, we invite you to take with us. And so would you just prepare your heart, would you just prepare your mind before we take of the elements, sit before him and just ask him, God, what do you have for me? What is the next step in my Christian life?
again, this is this is a relationship. Scripture teaches that we break of the bread and we drink of the cup in remembrance of Him. And we remember that He who knew no sin became sin for us and took our sin and went to the cross on our behalf. And Jesus told the disciples on the night before he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is symbolic of, of my body, which is given for you, which is just so personal. And then do this. You do this in remembrance of me. So we, we remember that while we were still sinners, Christ went to the cross for us and died so that we can have a relationship with a holy and a living God. Father, we thank you that we can gather, that we can gather as believers in your presence and we can break of the bread and we can drink of the cup and we just remember, we remember what you have done for us. Father, we remember the time when we came to and, and met you. We remember the events. We remember what was, that was like. And but Father, we also remember how our life has been changed since meeting you. And so, Father, we thank you for your sacrifice. And Father, may we live a life of walking in community with you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you take with me, please? Scripture also teaches that Jesus took the cup and he told him that this cup is symbolic of my blood that is, that is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. For the Bible teaches us without the shedding of blood there would be no forgiveness of sin. It's because of his blood on the cross, the perfect sacrifice. They would be totally and completely forgiven. We are perfect and complete in Christ. We have His righteousness. And we can live life in freedom because we have been forgiven and the junk and the stuff of the past is gone. We're a new creation and we can walk in power in freedom and in grace. Father, we thank you for the shedding of your blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And Father, we thank you that because of your sacrifice, we can be totally and completely forgiven. And Father, may we live life like that with just power and with meaning. And may we be able to hear from you as you lead us and as you guide us. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you take with me, please? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me just ask you just real quickly, what is God saying to you as a result of this message? What is he saying to you as a result of his word? 
Maybe more importantly, what, what is your next step? Every one of us in this room, we have a next step. Every one of us. For you, it may be accepting him. That may be your first step to where you just come to that place that I'm going to accept him and I'm going to follow him in believer's baptism. For others of us, you may be believers. And so what is your next step? It may be a, a commitment. So you know what? I'm going to learn how to life journal. I'm going to learn how to meet with him daily and just be able to hear from him. Maybe you, you're here this morning and you'd say, I just have a burden. I just have a prayer request. We want to pray for you. Whether it's a prayer request or a burden for yourself or whether you want to pray for someone else, that's okay too. It may have to do with what I've talked about. It may have to do nothing with what I just talked about, and that's okay too. But if you're carrying a burden, if you have a prayer request, we want to pray for you. So in just a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. And when we stand, if you need prayer in any area of your life, as you stand up, would you step out, begin making your way down to the front? We'll have prayer partners down here. People will greet you when you get down here. And we'd love to have the opportunity, if you need prayer in any area, to pray for you, to encourage you, to, to, to uh, support you as we pray for you. So you come if you need prayer. Father, we thank you for your love. Father, we thank you for your grace. And Father, we just thank you for the power of your name. And so, Father, we just ask that you'd pull this church very closely to you and there'd be no distractions in this place. And, Father, that people would just respond to you and prayers would be answered. And people would know that they have been ministered to and have met with you. So, Father, we look forward to see what you're going to do in this room because we know nothing is too hard for you. And, Father, we thank you for that. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.